Quiet on the set. And action. Welcome to Media and Monuments Podcast, presented by Women in Film and Video in Washington, D.C. Media and Monuments is conversations featuring industry pros speaking on a wide range of topics of interest to media makers. When you think of inclusion, how often do you consider disability? I'm Candace Block, your host for this episode, and today I'm sitting down with Nasreen Al-Khatib, an award-winning filmmaker with a passion and track record for illuminating too often overlooked and underrepresented voices. Her impressive portfolio spans not only an array of roles, but also varied subjects and subject matters. Today, she's here to discuss with us one of her latest motivations, disability inclusion. Welcome to the podcast, Nasreen. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, my name is Nasreen. I use the pronoun she, her, and hers. Um, I'm speaking to you right now from Tongva land. I'm a multi-heritage woman. Um, right now, I am sitting in a gray chair. I have fitted black pants on with a t-shirt from Thunderdome era Tina Turner printed <laughs> on the front in uh, purple and pink colors. Um, I have long brown hair. They're locks. They're very tightly wound curls. Um, and those go down past my waist. Um, I wear a septum ring. Um, I have seven identities and six disabilities. The three I talk about the most um, are my ADHD, I'm neurodivergent, um, I have PTSD, and I experience chronic pain every day. Welcome. And uh, to continue that as well, because I love uh, I love the way you include all, all dif- different abilities and people that, you know, I, I know this is a podcast um, and we don't have a visual element to it, but it is also great to, to bring that in. So um, I'm coming to you all from uh, Northern Virginia as well, and I am a uh, fairly petite, pale, and freckled girl with brown hair. <laughs> um, so that is me. Um, so yeah, I would love to know more about your journey and how you got started into media making and visual storytelling to begin with. That's a great question. I, I feel like I've been creating content and media making since I can remember. Uh, my father was an amateur photographer growing up in Kirkuk, Iraq. Um, and he always had a camera on him and he sort of, uh, brought that tradition into our house um i noticed you know manual cameras laying around and i like to tinker when i was a kid so i generally always had a camera on me um, and was always sort of playing with photography um i took photography in school and the process of creating an image i realized was so powerful and could reach such a far audience an audience that i would never necessarily have the ability to to interact with Mm -hmm. um that i knew that you know content creation was what i wanted to do when i grew up now uh if if one were to look into everything you do you have quite a variety of credits to your name um from from roles like in art department to writing editing directing and lots of cinematography so how do you feel this width and breadth of experience shapes you as a creator and also do you have a favorite lane that you like to stay in or do you like uh, still kind of tackling more of the positions? Yes. When it comes to film, I've I've done pretty much every single role you can think of because I started out in smaller productions where you had to wear 
multiple hats. Mm -hmm. Um, And that actually made me a better producer when I was a producer a number of years ago. Um, But if you look at my credits now, I'm mostly a cinematographer and I am mostly a director. Mm -hmm. And um, that term staying in the lane is so interesting because I know there's definitely a political meaning when you say like, what lane are you staying in? Because Mm -hmm. um, it has to do with socioeconomic backgrounds. It has to do with gender. It has to do with race. Um, and, and many people do not have the option to stay in a lane, um, the way that, you know, colonial, mm-hmm. <laughs> the U S is made up. Um, but for me personally, it, I found it very, um, useful to know what a PA does, um, mm-hmm. you know, what a producer does, um, all of that my my art direction all of that led to a better understanding of how to run a film set and how to build a crew that could all work together seamlessly Mm -hmm. yeah it does seem that there's a a a really nice benefit from kind of having touched on the different roles as well so that you kind of you know where where it's coming from and you can commiserate as well with people in those positions even if you're in a different one on that project um but yeah, it seems like you've been supporting uh, women for a while, and that's kind of a passion of yours, uh, just looking at some of the projects you've done. How has um, that desire to support women helped you choose which projects that you pursue? I mean, most of the work that I work on now, when I'm considering like putting my energy into a project, it has to be a project that will shift our culture in some way. Mm. Um, it has to be content that will help evolve where we're at, which is you know, we have so many broken systems mm-hmm. socially in the States and other countries. A lot of my work focuses on racial inequity, gender inequity, disability inequity, religious inequity, mm-hmm. um, and it's intersectional. Um, you know, growing up, I was always asked, like, what are you? And people expected mm-hmm. one answer back. And th- the reality is I'm a multi-hyphenate. I've always been, I was born that way. Um, and I always try to choose like the right the right one identity that would like help me get the job or mm-hmm. help me get into a social club. Um, and what's so nice now as an adult, as a woman, um, I'm no longer looking through that uh, lens of choose one thing. Like, mm-hmm. what are you? You're fighting for women's rights or are you fighting for black and brown women's rights? Well, I'm <laughs> right. fighting for both. And they're yeah. the same thing, actually. Exactly. So, Let's, you can be all things at once. <laughs> exactly. Um, being a multi-hyphenate shouldn't, you know, like being a, a daughter of uh, an immigrant, being a daughter of Muslim parents, like being queer, like all of these things do not have to be separate from one another. They mm-hmm. can they can be in, in one thing. Um, oh, for sure. And I I mean, as as we know, most people, if not every single person, is not just one thing. (laughs) Everyone uh, does not fit into one tiny little box. Everyone is very multifaceted as well. And so I love that you are um, expanding the world of of media and everything to to make sure people are comfortable with not having to choose one like it was in the past so much. So I I really admire what you're doing. Like this idea that you're one thing, it's so very limiting. Mm -hmm. Um, And me being me in a room, I don't think changes much, but the fact that other people in the room are more curious now mm-hmm. um, and are actually like pausing and considering like, oh, okay, what, if this part of, if, you know, if you were disabled growing up, how did that impact your lens? Now 
now there's like a there's like an authentic interest mm-hmm. which is so exciting right yeah i mean yeah it, people's uniqueness is what makes them interesting otherwise there's nothing you know that's that's what makes things interesting the differences um so what then moments in your personal story i guess then have helped you um as you were starting to talk about your your personal perspective and direction um and it seems like you do that a lot but this disability stuff has come up more recently is there anything in your personal story that helped you focus into what you're focusing on a lot more now with the disability inclusion as well Oh, sure. Yeah. I got hit by a car. <laughs> that, that <laughs> That'll <definitely>, do it. <laughs> that definitely um, brought brought me to fruition um, mm. in terms of my identity. Um, and it also gave me some insight into how I see and experience the world and, and who I choose on my teams when I'm building out a project. Mm-hmm. Um, the disability community um, really like with welcomed me with open arms and let me see uh, another option in terms of filmmaking. There was about two years where I was like relearning how to walk mm. and trying to figure out how to be on set because the culture that we've that we've nurtured over the last hundred years has made a you know a filmmaking set not accessible mm-hmm. to a lot of people, disabled or not. Um, working a 15 hour day on your feet with very few breaks mm-hmm. um, is actually like not great for a lot of people's health. People often don't think of things until it's from their perspective as well. Um, and I love that you are helping remind people that there's more perspectives and lenses out there all the time and we can all benefit from considering more of them than we currently do. Absolutely. Um, not only could we benefit from them, but they're like super interesting. The disability mm-hmm. lens is just like a very interesting lens to look through. Um, and, you know, most of what we see on television, you know, actors without disabilities play mm-hmm. more than 95% of all characters. Mm-hmm. That are portrayed as someone with that disability. Correct. So if the information that we've received is so narrow because the person playing the role doesn't understand all the nuances, hasn't lived with that experience, mm-hmm. um, then then how we see disability today has everything to do with how we've seen it on screen. A lot of the social changes we've seen uh, start with being able to see it, you know, and that's what's so important about media in general and and storytelling and filmmaking and all of that as well. And how much when you hear stories of people saying how wonderful they feel when they finally see a version of themselves represented and this is so great to expand it to other things because there's so many uh types of disability and a lot of them are also not even uh visible so that's that's another thing to consider exactly the spectrum of disability is vast it's there you know um the the way that the u.s law defines a disability and a lot of people don't know this my friends and family included um it's an impairment that limits one or more life acts like speaking or breathing, learning, walking, uh, or just manual tasks. Hmm. So if I think about my, the chronic pain from my migraines that I experience, um, you know, so often mm-hmm. that is a disability. And a lot of people 
we've been sort of programmed to think like only people with a visible disability have a disability and that's not the case. I think if more of us understood what the actual definition of disability is and mm-hmm. actually realize that they themselves identify as someone with a disability, mm-hmm. then the way that our systems and structures are designed would be much more universally designed. Yeah, because there's also, I mean, and you might know better, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, it's about like 15% of the world's population that's living with a disability of some sort. Um, no, so much more. So much more. 25%. And that, if you think about, so, so women who have been harassed or raped, think about how often women who, who are harassed or raped actually come forward, those mm-hmm. numbers. Yeah. And then the women that you know personally right. who never come forward. So if you think about those numbers because of the shame and all the things that are attached to that, because that also is another system that's broken, mm-hmm. um, people with disabilities might not even realize that they are someone with a disability. So that number, that one in mm-hmm. four number is for people who already know like, yeah, okay, my asthma limits me from doing certain things, or mm-hmm. I was disabled for these nine months I was pregnant, or I am disabled because, you know, I have ADHD. And so my approach to work is so much different than everyone on my team that I have to create ways in which I can function. ADHD is a disability, mm-hmm. um, but there's so much shame and stigma attached to it. A lot of people don't want to identify. So I would argue the number one in four, 25% of the world. <laughs> is actually much larger. And we're all, you know, a lot of Mm -hmm. people are just trying to be the best version of themselves. And they don't think that identifying as disabled can actually make their life better. And it can. Yeah, they could be afraid because of all the stigma to to even realize it or to, to report it or accept it or say that they are. Um, what benefits do you see from, uh, coming from people realizing that this is a valuable underutilized resource of all these people that they might be overlooking if they do say that they have a disability? Disabled people generally are often overlooked, but we know from Nielsen that the disability market is worth well over a trillion dollars. So if you think about that, and so much of what motivates our film and television industries is money, then mm-hmm. that's a completely untapped market that right. has yet to be tapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more people see themselves represented on screen, the more we see direct correlation with laws that protect us, mm-hmm. with systems and mechanisms that are designed for us. So if I was learning to walk again and still welcomed on set, then there would have been mechanisms for me to help me be there. It's mm-hmm. not just for people who who have two legs and walk. Right. Right? That, that, that shouldn't necessarily be the case. If one in four people that we know of have disabilities, then one in four people on set should have a disability openly and mm-hmm. feel like they're supported and welcomed there. And also, um, when it comes to representing them in these roles and positions, I mean, there's behind screen as well, but also in front of screen. I personally love it, and I'm sure you also do, when when a role is played by somebody with a disability, like a visual one, for example, but the but the role is not about that disability. Um, I think it's really important to make sure that, you know, characters are shown of all different shape, sizes, abilities, you know, uh, backgrounds, but it doesn't always have to be that that's the plot point, you know? <laughs> it's like you can have someone who 
is uh, this particular person and has, you know, one prosthetic limb or something or or whatever. And it doesn't have to be a, a topic. It could just be not talked about as well. Just show. Exactly. I love mm-hmm. it when that happens in film. Like um, Marvel's Eternals, um, Lauren Ridloff's portrayal of Makari had everything to do with her intellect mm-hmm. um, and her tenacity and her personality. That's what what drew me to that character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the lead character in Lady Parts, Peacock's Lady Parts, um, so much of her disability um, changed the direction of the narrative, but it wasn't a focus and it wasn't, it wasn't actually, um, it didn't need to be talked about because she was just another character in part mm-hmm. of a scene with many other characters. I think uh, Hulu's uh, Only Murders in the Building has a character in a wheelchair that they never mentioned that she's in a wheelchair as having to do with anything. <laughs> you know, it's just that's she's just a character. Um, and uh, yeah, and also going back to, to Marvel, too, it's great to see such big, big uh, projects get that as well because i know there's also from um the hawkeye show there was a character uh who was also deaf and she had a prosthetic limb and there was uh something i saw recently about someone really loving seeing um rhodes uh wearing leg supports when he was uh, learning to after he was um paralyzed and so it's things where it's like you know you don't have to make it a topic but to see somebody wearing that and existing in a in a meeting is is great for people that have to deal with that as well normalizing disability has everything to do with like removing that stigma Mm -hmm. and removing the any kind of shame that one might feel um if they actually identify that way are there um are there particular i mean we've just mentioned a few roles here that are are projects that are more well-known are there any particular like media makers that you're aware of that are also pushing hard for this disability inclusion absolutely um tatiana lee is the first accessibility lead at a major studio she's at apple Mm -hmm. um and it's her job to make sure that not only are disabled people included in front of the camera, they're also included behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, you know, this is happening in 2022 is so exciting because she's the first, there'll be more. Um, Dayal Muhammad is the first director of disability policy at the White House. Mm. Um, and her being in the position she is, um, being a woman of color, um, being part of LGBTQ, like, like existing in the in the framework of the White House means that we have the ability now to finally enact some change mm-hmm. um, that will make it more safe for us to exist in all areas of life. Um, Natalie Patrice Tucker is the senior accessibility lead at Spotify. She's been making the internet accessible for 20 years. These are all women of color trailblazers. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, those are some great names. People should check them out more, learn more. (laughs) And people should become these advocates and trailblazers as well. When people think of inclusion, you're very rarely, unfortunately, at this point, uh, thinking about differences that might need to be considered on, on sets and things like that. People just think of race, gender, you know, orientation, things like that. Um, so I, I love that this is uh, a conversation about expanding that as well to include even more. Um, but also with the, with respect to the things of people on set, I'm sure 
that you've understood from personal experience as well and being an advocate in this arena, um, what are some of the most common concerns that people might have if they're taking on crew or talent that have these different leads? Do you think that they think it might cost more to make these concessions or, or, or adjustments or like maybe put in a ramp or a separate space or anything? Honestly, I think that is a misconception. Um, okay. And feel free to use the word disability. Disability is not a bad word. I know mm-hmm. there are other words that people feel more comfortable using, but actually using the term disability is covered and protected by our laws. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a form, for me, it's a form of empowerment to use the word disability. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, there are a lot of misunderstandings when it comes to the, this, this idea of accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked at NASA, all of the animators um, worked with the lights off. Um, and that was really, I, I used to have lunch in that room because it was much easier for my eyes to adjust mm-hmm. because I was interacting with screens so much. Um the fluorescent lights actually w- was a trigger of my migraines. And so trying to work when you have a migraine, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever had a migraine before, but um, it's its like a, a small elephant, like sitting on your head. Um, it's not comfortable. And accommodations can mean something as simple as just turning lights off mm-hmm. and using floor lamps. So if, if you look at that from a cost perspective, what is that? A $20 lamp? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you actually find out a lot of people that don't even identify as disabled agree and don't want to use systems that don't Mm -hmm. work for them. There were a lot of people in that editing and producer's room that didn't like the overhead fluorescent lights. And so we just turned them off. Mm -hmm. So I think when people think about accommodations um, for folks that are like scared that it might like send the cost through the roof, it doesn't if you're thinking about it at the very beginning Mm -hmm. So if you're choosing locations with an elevator, with an accessible bathroom, um, with spaces that are at least, you know, that have four feet of turning radius or that have spaces for a ramp, thinking about different departments that actually use ramps. So ramps aren't just utilized by people with wheelchairs. That's true. (laughs) Um, curb, Curb cuts were created for disabled people. But guess who use curb cuts every day, all day? Everyone. Yeah. Texting yeah. was designed for disabled people, but guess who uses texting every day? Exactly. All people. <laughs> so, that's really that's really great to think about as well. Actually, that's wonderful to to remind people that, you know, we're all gonna benefit from being more inclusive of everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you can you talk to us about a few of the recent projects that you've been working on um that you're really proud of? Because now that you um I know you you have a current sort of like passion for this disability inclusion and and um, bringing awareness to it. Yeah, I mean, being a disabled creator means that you know, by default, I'm always creating projects with disability in mind the same way I'm always creating projects with gender and race in mind. One of the projects I'm working on is focusing on a new generation of disabled space explorers um, and, you know, shining a light on the fact that disabled people have been part of NASA's history for the last 62 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we just finished filming a uh, zero G flight that included 12 disabled people of different disabilities mm-hmm. and proved that it was possible for, for us to exist in that space safely. NPR was also on that flight and New York Times also did a little 
feature on it. So feel free to check those out if you're curious. And obviously there's more to come as we are currently filming. The name of the project is Star Climbing. Okay, nice. Um, And then another project that I'm working on um, is called Coding Accessibility. Um, And it focuses on applications that help non-disabled people communicate with disabled people. Mm, Um, Wonderful. So people that are disabled and either are contributing to the development of the coding or actually creating the code themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really exciting. And, and we're, we're focusing on three stories internationally. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you've got some really great projects uh, in the works. Um, do you have uh, any just overarching kind of future goals for pushing out this message of disability being a positive force and perspective and and helping to let people more and more people see that? Um, And are there any particular milestones even that you'd like to reach? Like, are there any specific indicators of progress in this subject that you'd like to see? I think the more that people realize the shame that is attached to disability is not their own, that it was taught to them, that it was programmed Mm -hmm. the same way racism is programmed, the same way um, misogyny is programmed. the more people start to separate from that idea that disability has anything to do with shame, I think um, we'll start to see more people who are already in the public sphere come out and say, hey, I am disabled. These are all the things I've been able to accomplish with my disability. Um, Perhaps we're looking at disability through a lens that is not helpful. So I think I'm excited for when that starts to happen more and people start to realize that we're a much bigger community and we exist in all facets of life. We're your daughters. We are your mothers. We are your teachers. um, We are your presidents. Yeah, I was going to say our current president has not been shy about the fact that he grew up with a stutter. And so that's, uh, I I like that he's making that known to the world because there's a lot more people like him. And Absolutely. you can be the president if you, you know, it's, it's clearly not limiting. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be limiting. Exactly. I love the work that you are doing. Um, I think it's an absolutely fantastic message. Thank you so much for talking with us today about it. Um, if people want to learn more about you and your work, where can they find out more? My website is allmediastorytelling.com and I'm on um, IG. Uh, Instagram as content director and uh, Twitter as director content. Okay. Excellent. We will definitely put all that stuff in the show notes as well so people can get there easily. Um, And thank you so much. I mean, honestly, everyone go check it out. And I hope you all think of uh, inclusion and disability and all of that with a new lens as well, because as, as you have also said, you have a project even called Disability is a Beautiful Lens. And it's true. It really is. <laughs> so thank oh. you again so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, it was a pleasure to speak to you. And thanks for making some safe space to, to unpack some of these ideas. Thank you for listening to Media and Monuments, a service of Women in Film and Video in Washington, D.C. Please remember to review, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. For more information about WIF, please visit our website at WIF as in Frank, V as in Victor.org. That's a wrap!